Well, good morning, everyone. It's really good to have you here. We're beginning a new series this morning. It's going to be going through the whole book of 1 John, and it's entitled Love in Christ. This is the third part of our uh, overarching year-long, actually two-year-long discipleship process of calling you to three key environments. That environment with you and God's Word and God, and going through God's Word, learning from Him and growing in a relationship with Him when you're away from us in your home or you know, at, at your office, not on work time, but where you're, where you're growing in your walk with the Lord. The second environment is this, and this is the environment where you, we actually go over what you've read in your time with the Lord, and we uh, call you and we challenge you to be obedient to God's word, to practically apply it into your life so that you're not just saying you're a believer, you're actually believing and you're following Jesus Christ. And then the third environment is that of a small group. And we're having uh, small groups meet throughout this summer, this, uh, a six-week session during the summer, so that you can process this with a group of other believers, people who are trying to make sense of this, people who are trying, you know, they have questions to ask, and uh, those can be answered in the small group. Every small group leader is equipped in this passage and uh, can answer those questions to the best of their abilities and call you all to growth in a walk with Christ, because that's what we want to do, right? We want to grow in a walk with Christ. We want to be who we say we are. And that requires us being intentional about these three environments. And we found that if you commit to these three environments, your time with the Lord, your time in here, as well as your time in a small group, guess what? You grow. You grow. It's most likely for you to grow in those, kind, those three environments. Um, we're going to be going through the book of 1 John, and I want to invite you to open up in your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back. Make sure you have one. Um, if you don't have one at home, you take this and it's, it's our gift to you. But uh, we want you to have it in your hands so you can hide it in your heart. And as we start out with 1 John, the reading schedule for this summer is that you would read 1 John a total of six times. So you'll read the whole book. It's not that long. You read these chapters uh, throughout the week. So every week, six weeks, you read it six times. So we're going to be teaching it. Less verse by verse and more thematically. And the theme that we're going to cover today, which John just mentions, not only through his gospel of John, but also first and second and third John, he talks about this word truth. Truth, he banks it on truth. And we're going we're gonna to take a look at this word as we teach this theme. Uh, because here's the deal. John really emphasizes that if you're going to love God, you have to believe in the truth of God. It's really hard in a relationship to love someone you're not telling the truth with, or you're not basing your relationship with the truth. And so truth is foundational to us loving in Christ. And it's important to establish this concept and, uh, and, and practically apply it as we grow in our walk with Christ. So I'm going to invite you to read along with me in 1 John, beginning with verse 1. And as we read it, just listen for concepts of truth as we read, go through it. Okay, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, 
which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen, which we have heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Let's just pause there. Because John is really bringing out the picture of, he didn't just talk about Jesus, he saw him. And he touched him and he heard him and he learned from him. He was discipled by him and he saw him not only while he was living, he saw him on the cross of Calvary where he died for the sins of everyone who would believe in him. And he saw him die and he, he actually handled the dead body of Jesus. And then he saw and he heard and he touched the risen savior, Jesus Christ, after his resurrection And he was commissioned by this risen Savior, Jesus. So it wasn't just talk of, yeah, we heard about Jesus. No, no, we saw him. And see, that's the picture that John is drawing for us on truth. Every faith is built upon truth claims. Everything you believe in has a concept of what you believe to be as true. And so to claim that all, the truth claim, to claim that all religions are equally the same and equally bad for the world is basically going to result in a dismissal of the scriptures as something that was just man-made over the times. They strip it of its authority in our life and have a contempt for others who believe that it's true. And then to, com- to uh, build the truth claim that your religion is superior to all others And therefore, you must destroy all others who don't believe what you believe. Well, that can result also in dangerous consequences, can it? Like people flying jets into buildings or declaring jihad against infidels or even leading the church in the crusades. You see, truth claims have consequences. And what John is really crafting for us is if you claim that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God, the forgiver of sins, the savior of the world, then you will live a life of love and obedience with him. That's the, that's the consequence of faith in Christ. It's not a religious structure. It's not rules and regulations. It's a relationship of love with God and with others. That's the truth claim of Christianity. And so how do we get this truth? How do we know the truth? Where does it come from? So many in our culture today believe that truth is something that's all inside of us. And we've all been distracted. We've all been, you know, poisoned by the world. We all have to get away and we have to find truth in ourselves because that great value that it's inside you. And you just have to grab it and live in it. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. The Bible teaches that God is the source of truth. Let's continue reading in 1 John 1, 5. He says this. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Let's pause there. Boy, that's a great passage. John uses this throughout his gospel as well as in these letters and John doesn't list himself as, you know, you know, 
just plain for everyone to see. I wrote this book, but we can so trace the themes and we can so trace the styles that it just makes sense so clearly that he was the same one who wrote the Gospel of John because of this concept of light and darkness. And when you trace this concept throughout John's writing, you'll find that that God is not tainted by darkness. Darkness is, is sin. Darkness is selfishness. Darkness is pride. Darkness is ignorance of the truth. Darkness is being unaware of God. Darkness is deception from the truth. But God is light, he says here. God is the truth. God is, is true understanding, full awareness of reality is found in God. Therefore, to get the truth, we must seek God. Proverbs 1. Uh, I read the Proverbs, I try to read the Proverbs every day because I think it's, it's great wisdom for my life. And I, um, I, I read the proverb that matches with the date. So this week we started in June 1st. I read Proverbs 1. And as I was preparing for this message, it just, I, I heard in Proverbs 1, wisdom stands at the street corners. It just cries out, who wants it? Who wants wisdom? It's that whole picture that wisdom is out there. It's out there to be given. It's out there to be received if we would just understand where it comes. So stop looking on the inside. Our lives are darkened by sin. We must find the truth on the outside. God is the source of truth. Secondly, God's not only the source of truth. He's the supplier of truth. Let's reread verses 2 and 3 of John chapter, 1 John 1. It says this. The life was made manifest, and we've seen it, and we testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And then he says in verse 3, that which we have seen and that which we've heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here, John is uh, really calling us, God is that supplier. He's the supplier of truth. He says that God made manifested. In other words, he revealed. He fulfilled his word when he sent Jesus. And we saw him. He wasn't just God. He was fully man. He was deity. And he was humanity in one person. And it wasn't just a perception. It was reality. He said, we've seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you. And he says this over and over. I saw him. I touched him. I heard him. All the senses there are are employed to show that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. And he says this so that everyone might believe in the truth. Because God is the supplier of truth. Look at 1 John chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. In the second chapter of 1 John, John writes this, Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. Here, this is a great reminder for all of us, isn't it? That we have to be fluid individuals. We can't be people who just show up on Sunday and say, Yeah, yeah, I'm with you guys, and go out and live like you're not. <laughs> you, you can't be, you have to stay connected with God, with the truth, because God is the supplier of truth. James 1.5 says that if anyone lacks wisdom, what should you do? 
Well, get it from God. Ask of God. Because he gives it richly. God is really generous with wisdom. Which really reminds us, what are we asking from God? So many of us just go, I I like a new car, a better job, more money, bigger house, all this kind of stuff. Oh, my back is killing me today, God. Those are all things we've asked God for. But some of the most priceless things are right there, which God is saying, come on, ask me. I've got it here. And it won't destroy your life. It'll build your life up. So move away. Start asking God for wisdom because he's the supplier of truth in our lives. How many times do you stop in your day and go, oh, well, God, what do you think about this? What's the truth in this? What's really for me here, God? What, what would you, how many times do you just pause and pray and ask God for truth? See, we're all 15 minutes away from destruction. You didn't know that coming in, right? Yeah, we all are. I could do something in 15 minutes that would totally ruin my life, would ruin my relationship with my wife, would destroy my... I could. Now, I'm not giving you ideas. Don't go for this, okay? But we are. We are if we disconnect from the truth. Stay connected with the truth. And not only uh, is God the source of truth and the supplier of the truth, he's also the sustainer of truth. In other words, he protects and upholds truth. In our lives. Look at what verse 6 says. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, what does it say? We lie and do not practice the truth. You see, John is telling us that it's more than just knowing it and, and, uh, or being unaware of it or even being obedient to it and not being obedient to it. It's that we're all accountable to God for truth. We're all accountable to God for truth. Why? Because God is upholding truth. Someday God will judge everything and the truth will confront this lie that so many of, uh, of us are living and we're all accountable. Whether or not we like it, we're all accountable to it. Paul writes that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so for some of us, we will go, yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. And others of us will go, oh, no, Jesus Christ was Lord. Because we've lived our lives in two different realities. We're all accountable to God because he's the sustainer of truth. And here's the value that I try to teach my kids. The truth always wins. You can go, okay, Hishma, I, I guess I believe you in that. But, but you know what? I've done this, this, and this in my life, and it wasn't the truth. And, man, I got the promotion. I got the job. And I, got, I got everything I wanted, man. It, it, I got away with it, okay? In the short term, the verdict's still out. But in the long term, I see it, and you see it. You see the fall. You see a crash. You see reality. You see all the bills, all the expense reports that some new accountant found and that person who is at the top of the charts is let go. You see it on the kid who makes the honor roll and all of a sudden the teacher catches and they realize they've been cheating all along. You see, it's, it's all around us and it's very close to all of us if we don't stay connected with the truth. Why? Because God's the sustainer of the truth. 
Here it says, we lie and do not practice the truth. You know, this requires all of us to be authentic. That, that we are people that are inside out believers. That there's really not a whole lot of difference between me up here and me out there. That I'm the same man when I'm teaching that I am in my home. That I'm the same husband with you that I am to my wife. That I'm just fluid. Because here's the, here's the reality. Our world has far too many hypocrites. You know, I'm kind of sick and tired of people saying the church is just full of hypocrites. Of course. Of course. But what organization isn't? Well, I work for the government. Hello. I work in education. Hello. I mean, we can just go and pick our points on everyone is a hypocrite who doesn't practice the truth. Don't just point out the church. It's whatever environment, from Wall Street to Main Street, from Hollywood. It's, it's every place has hypocrites on people who choose to live outside of the truth. And so we've got to humble ourselves and realize that God is upholding the truth. The truth will win. Therefore, the truth is always our best. It's always the best for us, no matter how painful it is. If you lose the job because you sell the truth, praise God. Praise God. Because you'll get the promotion, but what will you compromise? And what will you have to compromise in the future? If the truth ruins the relationship, the one you thought was the right one, man, you're going to marry her. But the truth came out and realized she was cheating on you and you ended the relationship, God bless you. God bless you. Why? Because you don't marry a project. You don't. You don't marry a project just because you're lonely. You live by the truth because the truth always wins. And if you catch it before you get married, it's going to show itself in spades after you get married. I see it all the time. So we have to live where God is going to sustain us in the truth. We can trust him when we live in the truth. Look at what he says, what John writes in 1 John 3, 18. He says, little children, let us love in word or talk. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's be fluid people who don't just talk about being loving. We love. There's that pattern. In 1 John 3, 23, just a few verses down from that one, it says, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. See, this is the picture, that we're, that we're called into the love of God, and not, not that we just believe, but that we love him and love each other. So that's the pattern that that John is saying. Are you a person who's authentic? Are you a person of the truth? Look at your wake. What does your past tell you? What are your past relationships? What do your current relationships tell you? Do you believe in Jesus and do you love? Those are going to be the two qualifiers of truth in our lives. You can't just be a person with truth and ignore love. Why? Because God balances those perfectly in himself. And to be like him, we have to balance grace and truth in ours. Now, God is the source, he's the supplier, and he's the sustainer of truth. And here's the fourth thing that God's truth does now. It sanctifies us. It sanctifies us. The truth sanctifies us. Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 17. He says this. He cried out to his father, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Truth. 
Why? Because that is that word, the truth of God as it's shown in our lives teaches us how to be like God. It shows us who he is. And as a result, our life is made pure by understanding and knowing that truth. In 1 John 1, 7, John writes this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and keep reading. It says this, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, let me just provide it for you. It's not provided on the screen at no extra charge. Verse 9, it says this. We, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See it? See, here's the pattern of the scriptures. God has always given grace to the humble and law to the proud. When we live in darkness, the law of God confronts our lives. When we live in grace, when we live in truth, the grace of God directs our lives. You see, that's the concept of forgiveness, is that when we confess it, God forgives it. All we have to do is, we could be in darkness and we go, wait a minute, that was darkness. That wasn't you, God. That wasn't what I was created for. That's not for me. That's going to destroy my life. That was, I know we have a hard time saying it. That was wrong. And so I'm going to turn. God, forgive me for that. What happens? Forgiveness all the time. Next time we live in darkness and we go, well, God's word really doesn't say that, does it? I don't know that I like that passage. I I just don't. I talked to one person recently. I don't like the Apostle Paul. I just don't like how he writes. Where did that come from? So everything the Bible says, what are we talking about, Willis? You know, we just ask that question. We start living in darkness. We start picking and choosing what we want to believe is true. And we don't humbly put ourselves under the teaching of the truth of God. God's truth sanctifies us. It does. In 1 John three nineteen to 21, Paul, uh, John writes this, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Boy, this is a great passage Because our world will tell you, you're a failure. Evil will tell you, you messed up. You'll never measure up. And God here, it says, knows everything about you. He knows the truth about you and me. I mean, I I, I could fake it with a lot of people, but I can't fake it with God. And he chooses, when he knows everything about me, to forgive me when I ask And so therefore, all my confidence comes from the truth that God is loving and he's forgiving as he is holy and he is righteous. And I stand before him accountable, but he did everything on the cross through Christ for me that's needed for a relationship. It's not in me coming to church that saves me. I get to come to church to grow in him. It's not in me giving in the offering that gives me eternal life. But I get to reflect the generosity of God when I give. It's not in me serving in ministry that saves me. It's, but I get to serve others because Jesus Christ served me. And I become more like him the more I serve. 
See, and therefore I have confidence before God because God declares his truth in my life. Truth builds confidence. And therefore, God's truth doesn't only just sanctifies us, it sets us free. It sets us free. Look at 1 John 4, verse 6. It says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This sounds like almost a cultic verse. That John's saying, hey guys, listen to us. Everyone who doesn't talk like us, they're wrong. And you go, wow, why would he say something like this? And we question, especially in our culture, that questions authority like this, when it's said like this. But we don't really understand what was happening at the church at that time. John had preached the gospel there. And the church was starting to to fabricate the gospel. They started to deny this love relationship and started through Judaism heading back to it's all about rules. It's all about you being here and giving here and, and being involved here that gets you in. They started adding works to something that Jesus gave as free. And they even denied the identity of Jesus. A, a new, new form of a religion was coming in that Jesus, this denied Jesus' humanity and focused only on his spirituality. And John says, no, no, I, that, it gives us really good insight as why he started out this book the way he did. That which we've seen and heard, touched, that we proclaim to you. He wasn't just a spirit. He was man. I talked to him. I learned from him. I grew in him. I believe in him. And I love him. And that's what a relationship with Jesus is all about. So he upholds the truth. And he upholded God's love relationship with us. It's not about rituals or religion. It's about a relationship. Calling us to love the living God. Reestablishing the identity of Christ. And falling on grace. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is John. This is John. And he sets us free because the truth sets us free. So therefore, since the truth sets us free, allow allow God to allow his truth to declare in your life. God's truth declares. Therefore, believe it. Move from ignorance, from being unaware, to assurance, where you're fully aware and confident in God's truth. God's truth declares this. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. God's truth declares that forgiveness is in his name. It's not in our works. It's in his work. It's not in trying to impress God. It's in trusting in the work of God for our lives. Know it. Understand it, receive it, move from ignorance to acceptance or to assurance. Secondly, God's truth sets us free in that it defines us, or should I say, redefines us. So receive it, move away from resistance and into acceptance. God's word defines us. He, his, we're defined by his love, as First John is going to teach us. So Move away from that resistance of fear, enslaved to selfishness, pride, or personal protection, and accept it. Move away from resistance into acceptance. You see, the world says you're not measuring up. 
God says in Christ, you're fully loved. The world says you're not so bad. You can do things to impress other people and to impress God. And God says you can never be good enough. That's why you have to have faith and trust in what I've done for you. The world says you can be good enough. God says only Jesus was perfect enough. And so therefore, allow God's word. The beauty of the gospel, the glory of the gospel is that in this, that through Christ, we are loved by an infinite God and called to represent him in this world. God's truth defines us. And then finally, God's truth directs us. So therefore, follow it. Move away from rebellion into obedience. Move away from the rebellion of feelings and emotions, of self-pleasure, of chasing the next fantasy. Reject the control of fear and worry and insecurity and allow God's truth to direct you. Be available. Be open for God's truth. Wait for it. And when it comes into your life, when God speaks through his word into your life, obey it without hesitating. Follow it. Joy comes after obedience. So move beyond resistance and break the barrier through obedience to the truth of God in your life. I want to close with um, an illustration that I shared several months ago and want to bring you up to speed because I think it's really, this is all about how is truth received into our lives. And I find that there's three people that you meet in this world. And the Bible outlines these three people in the book of, uh, book of Proverbs. John kind of picks up on it in his book in, in uh, the Gospel of John as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But... Um, The first person is the wise person. And the wise person, when the light of the truth comes into a wise person's life, they reflect the light. They reflect it. They they kind of go, they they kind of see reality. They see who God is, and they understand it, and get it, and they go, I want to be like that. They don't question, do you think that's really good? They just go, of course, that's who God is. That's who I want to be. And so they start reflecting the gospel of God. They start reflecting the goodness of God. They start investing their gifts to advance the kingdom of God. You see here, they really give a model of what truth looks like when it's applied. That's, what, that's all wisdom is. It's one thing to have knowledge, to know what to do, but it's another thing to do it, right? Wisdom is applied truth. And a wise person applies the truth of God in their lives. Now, I'm thankful that there's some key areas in my life that I've become wise with and that God has taught me and he's taught me through hard knocks. He's taught me through other people. He's taught me through leading that um, how to be wise. I just thank the Lord that I'm wise in key areas of my life. And you know, a lot of that's because I've surrounded myself with wise people. If you have wise people in your life, It's not always going to be comfortable, but we need wise people. You want to surround yourself and your lives with wise people. People who love God more than they love you. So that if you start believing a lie, they can call you on it. That's never comfortable, okay? But it is so needed. It is so needed. You don't want to believe the lie 
of your press or your worst critic. And I need people in my life, and so do you. You need, if you're a man, you need a band of brothers in your life who are wise. If you're a woman, you need a sisterhood around you to, to speak truth to you, to love you enough that when you're, when you're believing the lie and you're, when you're living the lie, they'll say, stop. I love you far more than this lie does. We need wise people. We need to be wise, don't we? The second person, this is, this is what the word of God calls the second person, and it calls him a fool. A foolish person, when the light of truth comes into their lives, I'm just going to use a physics term, they refract the light. They bend it. They bend it to fit their lifestyle because they're, they're um, unwilling to change. And when the light of uh, reality comes in, they kind of ignore reality. It's not that they want to just put themselves out there as being a disobedient. They just ignore it. They go passive with reality because they're usually chasing a dream or a fantasy that's invigorated them and called them away from the truth. And as a result, the truth in their lives is denied. They just ignore it and they say, nope, that's not for me. And you know, when, um, when you work with a foolish person, the company usually makes something that we call the employee manual. And I have had to do employee manuals, and uh, I had to, you know, write them and uh, look at, but here's the essence of, of an employee manual. Foolish people, because behind every policy is a person. If you run a company, you know what I'm talking about. Why do we have that, you know, dress code? In, well, Betty, back in 1972, you wouldn't have believed what she came in here with. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we'll never allow that in you. That's just foolish behavior. We're just not, we'll write a policy, will ya? We're, don't name it the Betty policy. Put like 102.3 on that, okay? But we do this. And when I started running a camp, when I started in ministry, I started running, the employee manual was this big. At the end of my six years, it was this big. And I hated it. But I had to address because every issue there had a person behind it. And we had to confront them. Why, why do you have an employee manual? Because you have to build boundaries around a foolish person. You have to say, no, no, we're not going to compromise truth. It's not personal. It's this. And it doesn't matter who it is. This policy is something we've got to pursue. If you live with a foolish person, the tendency is, is so many times for us just to kind of facilitate them. And what is the result is we become codependent and the whole environment becomes dysfunctional. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to, yeah, I just want you to be happy. And we get more excited about keeping people happy than we are keeping people accountable to truth and living in truth. Because truth really does build joy, especially in the long term. And then scriptures talk about this last person, that when the light of the truth hits them, and this is the evil person, they simply reject the truth. It's, it's, not, it's not what I want. It certainly, that, I, that can't be. That can't be. Instead of seeing reality for what it is, and, or ignoring reality as the foolish person does, they deny reality. They just deny it's there. And instead of applying the truth, or even denying the, church, the truth, they try to despise the truth. Another word could be, they just try to destroy the truth. 
was reading recently about a Hollywood actor who has a homosexual lifestyle. And every time he walks into um, a, a hotel room, he opens up the Gideon's Bible there and rips out the passages that have anything to talk about the homosexual lifestyle. And we can go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's an evil action, right? But every time we know the truth and disobey the truth, that's where we are. So there's, there's a tendency when I reveal the three people that you'll meet to go, yeah, <laughs> I'm wise. I know who the foolish person is and who the evil person is. Check the box, I'm out of here. You know, we can do that. But that's not the purpose of this. The reality is, depending on the topic, you and I could be any one of these three. It's not just the people you'll meet. They're the people you could be. And there's days that I uh, love my wife and I love her more like Christ than I love myself. And I am very wise with her. There are other times when I wake up and I think it's all about me. And I don't treat my wife as kind and as thoughtful and as loving as Christ treats me. And I live foolishly. I mean, you put the topic there. You put the day there. It's a choice to live in either wisdom, foolishness, or evil. You make the choice. You make that choice each day. And there's days that when someone says and writes some really bad press about me or holds up a sign on the corner about me that uh, I really get hurt inside. And you know what? I, I can keep it from coming out here But there's many times when I have a really evil heart towards people. And I build the structure of how I could get even with them or how I can think about them. And evil just overtakes me in there. But for the grace of God and the people around me and the word of God, when I come back, I'm directed back into wisdom. So it doesn't matter, you know, folks, don't hold yourself on pride on this. But for the grace of God, we're one of these three We want to be wise. And so that requires us to know the truth about God, to live the truth about God in our lives. We want to be wise, right? So let's ask God to to teach us, to continue to give us an appetite for his truth over the lies of our lives and allow him to Heal us in the truth, sanctify us in the truth, and set us free with the truth.